Hello everyone and welcome back to So Here's What We Did, where we have candid conversations about modern mindful parenting. I'm Angela and as always I am joined with my handsome and kind husband, Saru. Hey, what's going on, yo? We hope everyone's doing well. We know there is so much going on and we're just so grateful to be able to sit with you guys and chat today. Today is actually going to be the first installment on a two-part series where we will be discussing anxiety. There is so much to be anxious about and we want to kind of just discuss some things that we're going through and maybe some things that can help you guys in what you're going through. As per usual, we do have a article that we would like to share with you guys, which will be linked on the website. The article is from The Atlantic and it's titled, What Happened to American Childhood? And the story is by Kate Julian. And there is a brief caption just to give a, a disclosure of what it's about. Too many kids show worrying signs of fragility from a very young age. Here's what we can do about it. What do you think about anxiety? You know, anxiety may be something that I, I've, you know, I won't say been comfortable with, but I've dealt with it for a long time, even though I may not have added those words to it. Um, so, you know, I have one feeling of the normal anxieties and then another feeling about the anxieties that, that we're going through right now. You know, a funny thing that we talk about in the house is how we're going through a Corona week and a Corona week has like seven or 10 days. So like the first day you wake up, everything's all good. You're ready for the world. There's no problems. You wake up on day two and you don't know if it's day five or day seven, <laughs> but you're depressed. You know, the, the world's going to end. You wake up on the third day. It feels like the ninth day and next week your days are all flipped. But it's this level of anxiety that's overwhelming us, you know, not just on regular days, but especially as we're, you know, enduring and going through this Corona time. I completely agree with that. And just thinking about all of decisions that parents are having to make as of late due to deciding of whether or not their kids are going to be going to school virtually yeah. or in person. And that's such a loaded thing because neither one of them are easy decisions. If your kids go to school in person, you know, there's things you have to worry about that. If you live in a multi-generational household, how that can affect the overall health of your home. Mm -hmm. Not to mention if you're doing virtual learning and maybe you've never done that before, you know, there's a lot of questions and that can be stress inducing. And you know, the funny thing, I talk to people and I'm an educator. So you would think that you know, as an educator, you feel like this, you know, you got three kids. So they would definitely, you know, if you feel that you're for them going back to school, you know, all your kids should go back to school. But even in my own household, I don't know what I want to do with my three kids. You know, one kid has asthma, so I'm kind of a little afraid of him having underlying issues. One kid doesn't learn as well being, you know, a, a, away from school. So, you know, as we talk about on, on this podcast, you know, you have to treat your children differently. And what's best for one kid may not be what's best for the other one. So, you know, talk about being anxious and not knowing what to do, not knowing, you know, what's best for your kid. Am, am I giving them an education? Am I putting their life at risk? It, it, it's, it's something to worry about. It definitely is so much to worry about. And something that I loved 
while reading this article is it really made me think about how much these things were not issues when we were growing up. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect or um, ideal childhood, so to say. Of course, you want to be safe and, you know, have routines, but there are so many different things that we didn't have to worry about. And social media was something that we didn't have growing up, or at least it was very, very minimal. It was just starting to kind of become a part of our everyday routine. I will say social media, you know, and the internet, but but way more so social media, I'm going to go ahead and say it is the devil. I'm going to (laughs) go ahead and say it's the (laughs) devil. You know, on one hand, you know, it's all good because it helps you to get information out. You know, it makes the world smaller. But back in the day, if somebody dogged you out at school, you wouldn't have to hear about it again until you came back to school that day. And a lot of people go home, have their own problems, they forget it. So you can come back to school the next day. You might be worried about it, but it ain't no more beef. But now, as soon as you get home, you didn't heard five or six people clowning you on social media. So now you got bigger beef because of your cell phone. And you got these cell phone gangsters that, that's talking hard at the house. And they don't really want to do nothing. But it's a situation where, you know, now I got to save face. So the same situation 30 years ago could, uh, uh, you know, could have died overnight. Mm-hmm. Now it's super hot. Right. And, and now you get into school. Now you can't think about your homework. Mm-hmm. You can't think about what sport you're playing because all you're thinking about is what somebody said on social media. Right. Like I said, the devil. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you explained it that way, I kind of agree. Is the devil? Kind of, sort (laughs) of. I mean, hopefully you guys are finding us on social media to be more of a a positive, heavenly, you know, addition to your life. But I do agree that social media is something that can add to the stress of a person because you're going to have regular um, interactions with your peers and sometimes they will be positive, sometimes they will be negative. But you should be able to... Let that run its healthy, a natural healthy course, and it's over. Can I jump in real quick? Absolutely. And, and so as a parent, you know, you have to be aware of, and, and this is a challenge, man, because, you know, the oldest kid is, is getting older. They want more freedom. You know, they're probably not talking to you as much, but all this stuff is going on inside your child's head, and, and you think you're going and taking them to school, and they already got, you know, a, 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 a rumble set up. Right. So, you know, this, is, this makes it way more important to try as much as possible to be a part of your child's online life. Absolutely. And just as a disclaimer before we move forward, because anxiety is such a... It can be a heavy and loaded thing. We are not medical professionals. This podcast is not intended to take the place of medical advice. Please seek medical attention if you feel that you or a loved one is in need of care. But to piggyback on what you said, you're right. There is something that they discussed in the article, and I very much mirror this sentiment. Giving your child a phone or access to a computer or having an online presence, the, the studies suggest that the texting is good because it allows for them to have a social connection. 
And especially now during COVID and this quarantine life, yeah. they're not able to see their friends and um, interact the way they normally would. So the texting is good. I think that that has been a healthy addition to our home. And when we made the decision to allow our children to have phones, it was, it was with a great amount of stipulations, but it has been a positive addition. But I do believe the, the social media aspect of it, the never-ending cycle of verbal abuse that can occur, right. that is something that I think is definitely adding to the anxiety of, of teens. And it has a negative effect on the American childhood. You know, I think... The, the one thing that we have to recognize, I'm glad you pointed out about, um, you know, sometimes you do need to seek um, a professional's opinion. You know, have somebody who, you know, can just listen to you and use book knowledge, so to say, as to how to deal with a situation. But the number one thing that we have to understand and, and give credit to is the fact that these anxieties exist. Mm -hmm. And whether or not they're real to us as adults, does not mean that that they're not super important to your children mm -hmm. you know um j just as a, a little side note you know in, in my in my profession i deal way too much with self-harm and, and kids that want to harm themselves and as adults a lot of times we don't want to take it serious because we think you know you're a kid what do you have to worry about what do you have to be you know depressed about but it's real for them and if I wouldn't have had a, a, a young person that I knew, you know, several years ago in the fifth grade decide to kill themselves and, and, and follow through with it, it, it makes me understand how important it is that we address these young people's feelings. If you see your kids having uh, 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 different emotions, you see them changing their patterns, these are key signs for you to say, wait a minute, you know, you used to be smashing the food on your plate, but now you don't want to eat. Now you don't want to wear any of your bright clothes. Now you want to just wear dark stuff. You know, you don't want to get out of the bed. You used to get out of the bed at 8 o'clock. Now you don't want to get out of the bed till noon. When you start to see your kids have behavioral pattern changes, those are the signs for you as a parent to say, hold up. It's time for me to start asking some questions. Right, and take the temperature. And it, it's so, it's very profound to me, you know, as parents that deeply rooted in our journey to parenthood is wanting to protect our children. Right. I remember way back when we started having our kids and there was this, the SIDS. The SIDS was really, really big. And it was, you know, placing the kid to sleep on their back and um, there was the bumper you know, right. it, it, the bumper would come inside of every crib <laughs> right. bedding kit, but right. you couldn't have the Don't bumper. Use it. Don't use the bumper. So taking these temperatures and trying to implement as many tasks in your life where you are protecting your kids and keeping them safe from this type of harm, is a, it's important. And it's it's a part of what we all have signed on to do as parents to keep our kids as safe and protected as possible from the car seats that we choose right. for them to the schools we choose for them to go to what video games we allow to play them to play keeping a healthy check on this anxiety is good parenting and i think parents got to understand that this ain't got nothing to do with you 
this isn't a reflection on you as a parent if your child is depressed. You know, sometimes it can have to do with, um, you know, the, the, the chemical makeup inside our bodies. Sometimes, just to be honest with you, sometimes life can just be depressing. You know, every day you look on the news, somebody getting shot, somebody dying. It's so many things to be worried about. We, we have a future that we don't have any idea what it's going to look like. You know, the, the way we looked at the past, there were all of these factories, there were all of these different jobs. The way things are going, we don't even know what the future is going to look like. So if your child is depressed, you cannot take it as something personal having to do with the way that you've parented your child. Because a lot of times it ain't got nothing to do with that. So you can't take it personal and not address, you know, what's going on with your kid because of you thinking that you ain't got nothing to do with it or, you know, you ain't did nothing to them or it can't exist because, you know, they got a home, or, you know, they got a house, you know, a shelter, you know, they, they eat every day. For kids, sometimes things can be very, very different. And we have to recognize that sometimes they're going through things that are outside of our control. Right, right. And as we are discussing that that slope between anxiety and depression and the connection between anxiety and depression, I do want to give out some some black and white information, some, some facts and some uh, definitions. Anxiety uh, as a noun, a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome or in the realm of psychiatry a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks and i want to share some statistics that were shared in the article on the atlantic um you know, many studies drawing on multiple data sources confirmed that um, through analysis from 2007 to 2017, a percentage of 12 to 17 year olds who had experienced a major depressive episode in the previous year shot up from 8% to 13%, meaning that in the span of a decade, the number of severely depressed teenagers went from 2 million to 3.2 million. Among girls, the rate was even higher in 2017. One in five reported experiencing major depression. Man, it's like, you know, and I don't want to put all the blame on social media, but, you know, it's rough being a kid. It's rough. And I think as a parent, you know, I was just going through this with one of my kids today because I understand, you know, we're here giving you advice, but a lot of times we're here giving ourselves advice. And, and my child came to me and, and I could tell that they were anxious. And the one thing that I knew that would be the best thing for that situation is for my child to first hear how I've been anxious, hear how I've struggled, hear how I've gone through a lot of these same things. So the, my child understands that they're normal. A lot of these things are normal. I spent so much of my life, you know, questioning different things because I, I didn't feel that I was normal. I felt like I was going through these things that were outside of, you know, what normal people went through. And, and you know, if you have, you know, you, you might have a creative mind and the more creative your mind is, the more you're going to kind of be isolated. 
So you take that creativity and you start to, you know, it, through that isolation feel like, you know, why am I going through this? And then that creates, you know, its own problems. So I think as a parent, you know, one of the main things that, that I need to do is help my kids to understand what you're going through is normal. Mm-hmm. A lot of people deal with this exact same thing. But now that we understand it's normal, how do we deal with it? You know, it can't be something that just exists. It has to be something that we deal with so that we can overcome these these negative feelings. Yes, yes. And one of the things that that I've I'm learning as I'm researching this and going through this this journey of mindful modern parenting is that anxiety is a universal response to stress. Right. It there are stresses in our lives that we do we're going to deal with inevitably no matter what. Um and it's something that although it's uncomfortable, it's it causes discomfort, there are ways that we can learn to tolerate it. Right. By way of coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And as we get into those things, I want to absolutely discuss some coping mechanisms, but I want to go back to something that I'm really interested to hear what your what your thoughts are. There's a couple of different things that were brought up in, in the article that made me really think, you know, why is this anxiety and depression something that we're hearing so much about? And one of the things they listed was... Um, prescribed antidepressants and the warnings of suicide and suicidal thinking that the article suggested that because as parents are trying to find the best way to help their child that's perhaps dealing with an episode of anxiety or depression that perhaps that is making the situation a little bit more difficult she's because I notice on a lot of the commercials, yeah. you mm. hear those disclaimers. And what, what is that parent to do in that situation? So you're going to ask me, like, the how do you solve the world? <laughs> what's, what's the hardest question I could ask? I'm going to put it in your lap. Okay, so here's the hardest answer in the world. Um, you know, a lot of times we deal with the symptom. And, and that's what a lot of medications deal with are the symptoms, Mm -hmm. but they don't deal with the root cause of your feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, when we look at whether a a child um, should be identified for special education, um, and, and, you know, when we look at having behavioral plans, we don't, okay, so they're acting out, okay, that's fine, so what? What's the, the root of it? Are they acting out because they're trying to get attention? Are they acting out because they need some type of stimulus? Mm -hmm. What is the root of it? And I think that's what goes into um, a lot of what our children are going through. Mm -hmm. And and, and one of the biggest issues they have is the feeling of, I am not enough. Right. You know, my hair isn't pretty enough. My skin isn't light or dark enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. And 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 the root of a lot of this is I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we go into these classrooms and, and I do my best as a kid, but somehow I don't understand what that particular teacher 
is trying to instruct me on. I, you know, I go out there, I do my best, but I'm not as physically gifted as the rest of the kids out here. And then now I'm starting to judge myself on other people. And even though I may be judging myself on different people, I'm the same person. So I go out to, to, uh, uh, into a classroom and there's somebody smarter than me. And that smart person might not be no good in athletics. But I only judge them about being smarter than me. And I go find somebody who probably isn't that you know, academically intelligent, but they're very physically gifted. And then now I'm comparing my physical gifts to this person. So my whole life becomes all of these comparisons. Mm -hmm. And through these comparisons, I see I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. So then I start to doubt who I am. I look in the mirror, my, my nose is too big, my <laughs> ears are too little, and, and I don't look good enough, I'm not getting the attention. You know, one thing I told my son, I go back to middle school, and even though I'm hot to death right now, <laughs> he is. You know what I'm saying? I'm super fly right now. You know, when I was in middle school, I didn't get no love. One time, I wrote this girl all of, my homeboys laughed at me. I wrote all the words out to "I Need Love" LL Cool J. She didn't even heard the song, and she didn't give me no love. So, one thing that kids go through is the comparison, which is an unfair comparison to their classmates. And, and they judge themselves that way. And we're too hard on ourselves. You know, one of the reasons that we bully each other is because we're too hard on ourselves. Right. And we haven't found a way to love ourselves. So how can I love you? How can I appreciate you? How can I be kind to you when I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I'm not kind to myself? You have to tell yourself every day that you are enough. And that's something that I think is very powerful. That's something that was shared with me a long time ago, that if you just look in the mirror every day and tell yourself that you are enough, share that with your children. When you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth and you wash your face, look at yourself in the eyes, in the mirror, and say, I am enough. And it will have such a strong and profound change in your life it will affect you positively i mean without a doubt i had a homeboy that had a couch and, and you know i'm a big principal person so you know i feel like the the principles of life go for everything so he was like yeah man, i can't get rid of this couch because th this is the best couch ever and i was like so how would p diddy look at your couch you know you think your couch the bomb and p diddy would say blow his couch up with a bomb <laughs> and, and the couch is the same couch it's just we perceive it differently and that's the thing that we're talking about is you know for for every pot there's a lid and there may be some person you know that ain't digging you but for the one that is there's gonna be somebody who's not right. and the one that's not there's gonna be somebody that is but you gotta perceive yourself in in the best light possible absolutely it all starts at home and it's it's up to us to equip our children with all the tools necessary for them to have a happy, healthy life. And there's, you know, as we research more and more about this, there are so many different things that can lead to uh, these negative outcomes. Um, there are some links even to parental opioid addiction, distress among preteen and adolescent girls might be linked to the fact that girls are getting their periods earlier. Right. You know, that's something that 
it was shocking to me. There's like eight-year-olds now getting starting their periods. And as a person who didn't start my cycle until I was in eighth grade, I think, that's shocking to me. I don't know how I would have been able to deal with that as with an eight-year-old, um, 11 years old. That would have been a huge, um, huge deal for me, just trying to handle those emotions and that responsibility of what it means to be a young lady and have that. Uh, there's another thing I also wanted to share, um, obesity and chemical exposure. You know, there's so many different things that our kids are choices that they have. Uh, a lot of kids, when they come home, they're up to them. It's up to them to fix a snack or they may mm -hmm. even be fixing dinner for themselves because mom and dad are working they're working to provide, or maybe there's just one parent in the home, so they're, they're maybe not eating balanced meals, and not to mention all the things that are added in food now. So these are all things I'm sharing with you so that you can get an idea of what could be leading to these feelings of anxiety. Because in every situation, you know, there's pretty much only two choices. You know, the choices may change, but there's pretty much only two choices. Mm -hmm. and, and for the most part, kids have the choice of, do I deal with it or do I avoid it? Mm -hmm. And once I avoid it, it starts to, you know, look different. You know, you talk about the obesity, mm -hmm. you talk about the depression, the cutting, mm -hmm. all of those for the most part deal with kids saying, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to avoid it. And once I avoid it, these are the things that I can do to help take my mind off of what I'm doing. Right. Because see, if I'm cutting right now, you know, you know, and sometimes I hope we can get deal with this a little bit more in the, the next one. But a lot of things that kids do, they don't know how to in their immature minds. They don't know how to call out for help. So they hope that you can see me cutting. They hope that you can see me you know, overdoing something and that you can come at me and start engaging me because it's hard enough for us as adults mm -hmm. to sit down and address our feelings. Mm -hmm. Just think how hard it is for 11, 12 year olds or eight year old to figure out, okay, I'm feeling messed up. I need somebody to help me. Right, right. It's a, it's a cry for help in, in so many, um, in so many ways. And that got me to thinking, as you were saying, cutting or discussing self-mutilation and self-harm. I really, really miss the after-school special. Man. There were so many things, and I think that's something that this generation is missing out on, and maybe we can be a part of We need to call back. ABC <laughs> and say, y'all tripping. Y'all had an after-school special because you know what you need to do after school? You need to watch some. That back when we had, I don't want to mention some names because some people are, but we had like family time. Right. And right. we had these shows right. that were constantly dealing right. with the issues you have just being human. Right. And you had an awareness of it. And the thing that made me think of that after school special was there were shows that were about kids that looked like us, that were our age, who were dealing with eating disorders right. or self-harm or perhaps someone was um, inappropriately behaving around right. a child. And it helped you to have this agency over your body and information that you didn't trip up on how to explain what was going on in your life 
um, because you had these these stories, right. these stories, and you were able to learn the the right vocabulary right. and the vernacular when you're trying to explain these things that are going on in your life. I knew that this was going to be uh, a loaded topic, but before we do um, segue into our final thoughts, I wanted to share just one or two things that we do in our home to combat um, and deal with anxiety. One of the things that is so important is establishing healthy and reliable routines. And that can be something as simple as, especially with the homeschool and the virtual learning, as simple as we do these things at certain times. Like for our children, we have chores that start at 10 o'clock. We have been encouraging them to sleep in a little bit later because it's good for the immune system, but there are certain times that they have to do certain things. Um, I know you have given the boys the times when they can have screen time. Can you share a little bit more about that? Okay, so, you know, as far as closing out on this, you know, I think we should just close out with this topic as far as, you know, moving on to our our next um, segment. Okay. You cool with that? Okay. So, um... You know, kids, now I don't want to compare them to animals, but humans and, and, and a lot of animals do very well with having routines because they know what to expect. And so that, you know, I want to make sure that my kids know what to expect so they know that I'm not punishing them by making them go to bed. I can recognize that, you know, you need to have a certain amount of sleep in, in order to be healthy. You know, one thing that um, that, you know, the military uses as a war tactic is to deprive individuals of sleep. So if that's important as a tactic of war, we need to understand how important that is as a tactic to being healthy and making sure that, you know, our children have these things. You know, especially when I coached, you know, when we started the season coaching, I would run them. I would run them, run them, run them, run them, run them. And so I could never use running them as a punishment because if it's something good for us to do, we're going to do it all the time. So if it's good for us to go to sleep at night, we need to do it all the time. If it's good for us to hydrate every, you know, five minutes, 15 minutes, we need to do it all the time. And the reason why I was so successful is I got my kids to understand through these procedures, through these routines, that doing good stuff is good. I'm not going to get you to the end of the practice and say, oh, you ain't worked hard, so now I need to run you. I'm going to run you before we start practicing. And, and it's these concepts that we need to have with our kids. You know, and I don't want to get too much into, you know, something that's going to take me on and on and on past this segment. But... We give our kids bad procedures, we give them bad routines, and then we penalize them for that. If we give them good routines, you don't have to penalize them because you understand one of the reasons that, you know, that, that, that you're bouncing off the walls is because I haven't helped you to get rid of that energy. And if I help you to get rid of that energy, more than likely, you're going to be cool. If I can run you early, we can sit down and watch a movie. But if all we do is sit around, you know, eating fried foods, fried okra, what have you, then <laughs> <My> favorite. <laughs> then the reason you're acting up has more to do with my inability to put you on a good routine than it is your ability to be a good child. 
Absolutely, and we can definitely touch on that more in the next segment as we go through um, some very, very practical ways that you can um, have a healthy routine. But it, it, it is a very simple thing, and just carving out that time where you're going to have lunch, time you're going to sit down and read, times when you're not going to have the TV on. Are we or are we not going to sit down for supper at the table and just have time with no devices, no distractions, and that is the, the blueprint of a routine. Just carving out the things that are important to you and there's nothing but good to be uh, had from that. Let's go ahead and wrap up. Okay, so you typically ask me what my final thoughts because are. Because we can't have final thoughts if we're in the middle of something. Do my we? final thoughts on this segment. So your final thoughts on this segment. I know how you are with your routines. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, and, and it's it's healthy for uh, if you are in a relationship to have a difference of opinion. You know, I, I think that's the spice of life. You know, when I married my wife or when we got together, we weren't the same person. And I don't want to change her in the same way that I don't want her to change me. Um, so it's good to have a healthy difference of opinions. Now for me, I'm like, how in the world can you cut something into half and have a final thought in the middle? And she's like, no, we do this final thing. So sometimes we got to figure out, you know, what's the, the real important things about what we're doing. And right now it's more important for me to do what my beautiful wife wants. So what are your final thoughts? If you're a man out there listening to this, Make sure you do what your significant other wants or else you ain't going to live it down. Okay, so baby, yeah. what are your final thoughts on this first segment of dealing with kids and anxiety? Well, now I'm completely blushing because you just said all those sweet things to me. And I don't remember what my final thoughts Oh, okay. <laughs> so put, put the blame on me. <laughs> well, I would say my final thoughts are for you guys to tune in next time <laughs> to the second installment of So Here's What We Did, where we will complete our discussion on anxiety and implement and share some tips um, that you can implement in your home to help you cope with anxiety in your children during these tumultuous times. I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a line on our website, www.sohereiswhatwedid.com. We love you and look forward to chatting with you. Please tell us some things that maybe that you're feeling anxious about or that your children are feeling anxious about with the numbers for the pandemic starting to rise again. Is this something that you're worried about? What has been your choice for your virtual learning or in-person learning? We'd love to know about that. We'd love to talk with you and support you in this way. We look forward to talking with you and we'll see you next time. Bye.